Doing all right today? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, hey, if you don't know this, something that kicked off this weekend was Growth Track. We do this about every six weeks. Growth Track is a way by which we learn how to get connected to the church. Maybe you be, might be thinking about, hey, I, I want to know more about Faithco. I want to know how to get involved, or I just want to learn more about Faithco Church. Growth Track is a place to start. Uh, there's a lot of people running around here with shirts on, with kids' ministry shirts, Faith Kids shirts, or just Faith Christian Outreach across the front of their chest. That is our dream team. Those are our volunteers. We call them our dream team. Those people have been through growth track, and what happens is we, we place people, we give people an opportunity to know, or to learn some things about their giftedness, and then we just assign them to different positions. And the good thing is, is, is if, if that doesn't work out, we'll move people to other places. Just because you sign up for something, it's just not, well, you're going to be in this ministry until Jesus comes back. You know, it's not like that. There are people that kind of bounce around and figure out where they fit. But the idea is that this is how we serve God. Here's the deal. When you serve God with your gifting, you make a difference. And that's what we want to do. Ultimately, there's a, a desire on the inside of every person is you want to make a difference. That's why, that's why you do the job that you do every single day. You, you don't just want to do work. You want to make a difference with your life. And a lot of people, they don't find that fulfillment every weekend or every week at their day job. So they find the fulfillment that God has for them through serving his church. Hopefully that you connect in a way like that. But Growth Track is going on for the next four weeks. In case you didn't get a chance to do it this Sunday, you can just click in next week and be a part of that. I strongly recommend. What I want to dive in today's message and begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. I pray, Lord, that we will open up our hearts and minds and receive what you want to speak to us today. May we grow in this wisdom. May we grow in the in, in the area of learning what it means to save a life, that our mission is to save lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. look at your neighbor and say, save somebody. Save now, you might be here and be wearing a Reach One band. Is anybody wearing one of these Reach One bands? Let me see if you got it. Okay, we've got a few people. We give those away. You can pick these up at any time. We've been doing this for about, I'd say, about eight years. Our evangelism strategy is, it comes from the Great Commission to reach the world. We believe that we reach the world one person at a time. That to think, hey, I'm going to reach the entire world, well, that might be a little bit overwhelming. But what if you just did that one person at a time? And this, what this does is we wear these bands that remind us, I get a new one every year, that it reminds us that our lives are not just about ourselves. And what we're doing in a mission of a Faith Code Church to to love God, connect with others, and reach the world, we believe that as we fulfill that mission, that we are saving lives. You see, Jesus, in his word, he says this. He classifies people in two categories. He says people are either saved or lost. If you read the scripture, that's the way it classifies people in in society. Now, if you were to walk up to somebody and say, are you lost? If that person doesn't know Christ, they're probably not going to answer that question correctly. And if you tell people that they're sinners and they're lost, that really doesn't help much. But really, that's the way the Scripture classifies people. Either you're saved or you're lost. And Jesus says in Luke 19 and 10, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Over the past few weeks, if you haven't been a part of the messages, I strongly recommend that you go and watch the podcast or listen to the podcast because we break down these messages. I've only got one week left of how to save a life. And what we're talking about, uh, what we've talked about is that we have all been called to be life savers. And what that really looks like, that it's, it's simpler than we think. 
The first week we talked about how, how we've been called to save lives. And then we talked about saving lives. The next week we talked about how saving lives can be as simple as, as being a neighbor. And then we talked about how saving lives can be as, as simple as being an example and what that really looks like for Christ followers. Well, today I want to take that a step further and I want to talk to you about how saving a life is a result of us being an evangelist. An evangelist. Let me ask you something. When I say the word evangelist, what comes to mind? When I, when I, when I think of, when I, when I tell you, you know, you need to be an evangelist or, or we need more evangelists in our church, what do you think of? Do you think of somebody in a dark suit with slick back hair? Do you think of somebody with, with really good hyped up phrases? I have a message for God and there's not a, a demon in hell that's going to come against me today. And, and if, if you'll take a step forward that God is going to work a work, a mighty work in your life. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think of. And I had somebody tell me one time, say, man, Travis, your message is really, really conversational type. You need to take it up a notch. And I was like, man, I don't know if God needs my hype. I don't know if he really needs me doing all that stuff, the word of God and the spirit of the Lord and to each his own, however people preach. And I, and, but, but I don't know. Sometimes I think of how I grew up and what evangelists looked like and, and what that was like because I come from church way back when. But really, what if I told you that there is an evangelist seated right next to you right now. Just look at that evangelist. Look at your neighbor and say, glory to God. Just like an evangelist. (laughs) The word evangelist in the Greek, it simply means this. It just just means that... Well, I lost what it means. So I'll I'll just tell you what it means. It's someone who brings the gospel. It's simply, tough, tough definition, huh? It's just somebody who brings the gospel. It's someone who shares the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the truth. So really, all that an evangelist is, it's simply a person who says yes to the calling of the Great Commission. Somebody who says yes to the calling to go and someone who does his or her part in sharing the gospel of Christ. And that is something that we all can do. Amen? So we are all evangelists. Can you think of a moment in your life? Can you go back to one moment in your life that made a difference and impacted where you are today? Can you do that? Can you go back to one moment in your life? I mean, probably we can go back to our salvation and we can go back to different things like that. But is there there something beyond that that you can go back to that that one moment in my life, it changed my perspective and it changed my life and it has a, a major effect on where I am today? I, can, I want to go back just a little bit. About 20, I'd say 22, 23 years ago, I had just stepped out of, of teaching a church. I was like an interim pastor, and I really didn't sign up for it. They asked me to be a part of it. It was my extended family. Uh, they kind of put together a little church, and they really didn't have a minister, a young minister. And I was in my early, mid-20s, and they say, Travis, would you come over and teach for a little bit? So I thought, yeah, I, I guess I'll do that. I'll come over and preach and teach. And I really didn't know what I was getting into, and then... The weeks turn into months. The months turn into years. And after four years, I had been sort of this pastor of this church. And I went and I talked to them. I said, listen, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to be a pastor. I'm just going to help you guys a little bit. So, you know, I'm going to take a step back. You see, what I wanted to do, I grew up as a, a pastor's son. My grandfather was a pastor. My father was a pastor. I grew up in church. And, and everything that you can possibly see in a church, I bet you I've seen it. 
All of the, all the wonderful things, the underbelly of a church, everything. And it, I, I, I came to a place where I thought, this, this just is not for me. When I think of what I want to do with my life, I, this is not something I want to do. I want to live for God. I'll be a high-capacity volunteer. I'll do whatever God wants me to, but I want to do something else. And I, I, I got my degree in finance, and, and I was being prepped, and I was, I was, I was going to go into a, a large corporation in the area of finance and accounting. That's where I was headed, so that's... that's Part of the reason why you know got released from that church because this is where I was going. But when we did that, our family started going to different types of churches. And something interesting that, that I discovered is churches weren't like the ones that I grew up in in the, in the way that church was not as enjoyable, if I can say it like that. Like I grew up in a church and it was a small church and it was a Pentecostal type of evangelical church, but we had a really good, solid church and we enjoyed it. And it was very different than what we are today, but we, the music was really good. It was very organized. Things were timed. I mean, you got out on time. You just, it was just very well, it was a, it was a well-oiled machine. And it was, it was significant. And if anything wasn't happening, we were going home. We didn't waste people's time. It was just, I really loved that church. But when my experience as I, as I got to view other churches and as I was visiting other churches is this was not my experience. Now, let me just say this. It could have been that God was working in my life. But I was very unsatisfied with the way churches were. And I, even to the extent that my family didn't want to go to church. And I was struggling with that because this was kind of my world. That, that I really, you know, I was going to bring my kids up in churches, in a church, and, and then my kids didn't want to go to church. My family didn't want to go to church. I was really, really struggling with this. And then something happened in my life that changed, that, 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 was, that, that was a very significant day. My house caught on fire. I was laying in bed one night, and, and my, my chimney caught on fire and exploded. It landed on top of the house, and it was a big ordeal. And, and it just, you know, kind of, Messed with my world for about three weeks. And that following Sunday, I decided that we wouldn't go to church. For the, like the first time ever in my entire life, I thought, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to evaluate all this. I'm going to work on the roof of my house. i got to tear off the shingles. And I'm going to think about this whole church thing. I wasn't planning on getting out of church. I just wanted to evaluate. This, this does not make sense. But all of a sudden, I was figuring out why people weren't going to church. So I was up on top of my roof. I'm kind of a do-it-yourself person. I'm going to save a few hundred dollars by tearing off my own roof. That's what you do when you're in your 20s. I went and bought a couple of those shovels that tear off shingles. And I was up there, and I was about a third of the way done, and I got a phone call. And it was a friend from way back. I was his youth minister years ago. And uh, he said, Travis, I want to come see you. At that moment, I was probably about 25, 26 years old. He was about, I'd say, about 20 or 21, and he comes over to my house, and I have him come up on top of the roof, and it just so happened I had an extra shovel. <laughs> I said, so what do you want to talk about? So we got to talk, and then he helped me tear off the roof completely. Some things never change, right? So he helped me, take it, and then we sat on the eve, or the gable of that roof, sat down, and he began to share his story. He said, Travis, the reason I came over here, and I saw this, like, tough guy, just this handsome guy that... I knew that grew up as a, as a very young guy. He just began to cry as he began to tell me what was going on in his life. And uh, he says, Travis, I'm about to lose my wife. She's about to take my son. I'm about to lose my job. My, I'm strung out on drugs. He said, uh, two weeks ago, I, I uh, 
I had to ask somebody about this the last time. He said, I did something called a, an eight ball of cocaine. And I didn't know what that was, so I asked Landon. And Landon told me exactly what he said. It's four ounces and two incredible nights. <laughs> That's what Landon said. I said, can I say that in church? He said, I don't care. I'm very transparent about my past life. <laughs> can I, maybe I should leave that out. That's just what he said. I'm telling you what he said. He's teaching growth track down there. But he said, this guy goes on to tell me this, and I mean, he just wrecked. And he said, he said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, you know what I'm going to say. You know exactly what I'm going to say. We crawled off the roof, went down to my house, and I said, you're not going to be able to deal with the rest of your family. You're not going to be able to get all that right until you get yourself right, for, until you get yourself right first. And over the process of a conversation, I let him to God. He rededicated his life to Christ, and it was just an incredible moment. It was an incredible moment in my life. And I told him this. I said, listen, here's what we're going to do. And you've heard me say this every single week for years. I said, listen, it's really important to get involved in church. I was saying this 25 years ago. It's really important to get involved in church. Don't do life alone. This is just the very beginning of what God wants to do in your life. Come back at 5 o'clock, and I'm going to take you to church. Now, 25 years ago, everybody had church on Sunday night. So I said, come back, and I'm going to take you to church, all right? So as he leaves and he's coming back, I think to myself, where am I going to take this guy to church? Because I'm thinking to myself, all the churches that I've visited, they're not going to relate to this guy. It's not going to make sense. And then he comes back, and I finally say, okay, I can't, not that one, not that one, not that, okay, okay, all right, this one, maybe. So I load him up, I take him to church with me, and we walk in. The, the people were nice, the people were friendly. But for the very first time in my entire life, this had never happened to me before. This was a pivotal moment that I saw the church from a non-believer's point of view. That somebody who, had, who'd, who'd, who wasn't in church or never been in church or maybe gotten away from church, somebody that was, that was completely out of church, that their life was in shambles, that person... I just sat and I walked through the church from front to back. I mean, from the parking lot to inside to the praise and worship. And I was listening to it and I was watching things. And I saw it from a, from a person's point of view that had never been at church. And then I was looking at all the things that didn't make sense. I was, I was listening to the music and thinking to myself, that's terrible. I was, I was listening to what people were saying and how they were doing offering and the greeters and everything. I was, they were very friendly people and they meant well, but I was thinking to myself, none of this makes sense. And then it was frustrating to me. First of all, I, I was thinking, I was listening to the minister and he did a great job, but it didn't make any sense to this guy. And that was frustrating me. I'd worked so hard and done so much and the whole day was about getting this guy to come to church. And then, and then I looked over at my friend. If, if all of this wasn't bad enough, I looked over at my friend at 15 minutes into the message. He was giving it this. I mean, drooling and everything. And I mean, at first I was like, it was kind of a giggle. But then, then it hit me. This is terrible, Travis. This is not funny. People have been coming in church for years and years and years with heartaches and ruined lives and ruined marriages. And they have not, they're not getting anything from church. And this is why people aren't going to church. I mean, it wrecked me and it changed me for life. I'd worked so hard. I'd spent so much time getting this guy in church and we just, we just ruined it. 
I mean, it's kind of like Jesus when he says, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, all you that have burdens, and I will give you rest. We took that to mean, come to church and we will put you to sleep. (laughs) A long story short, fast forward 21 years, and you're setting it in Faith Co. Church. And we're about to step into our third phase of our building campaign where where we're building this over here because it's going to provide us with more opportunity to reach more people. And when they come to church, hopefully it's going to make sense. We're going to do everything that we can. If that's not enough, we'll do more. We'll reach out even more because we're about reaching people because there are people that are lost and need to be saved. Amen. Maybe some of your houses need to catch on fire. Long story short, an evangelist is somebody who finds out what they can do. Finds out what they can do. And then they do that with all of their ability to reach people. It's not about you starting a church. We don't need another church. We need to make the church that God has given us great. What can you do? What has God placed in your life? What, when, you, when, you believed, when you begin to see the world as he sees it, it'll change your life. That, that moment in my life was something that told me, Travis, you need to do something. And you can do something about this. Amen? So let's talk about what it is to be evangelist. If you're going to be evangelist, look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be evangelist. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are an evangelist. If that be the case, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to love people. I know that's very insightful. You got all dressed up, came down here to hear that. You got to love people. The message of the gospel is a love story. It's about what a God did for a world that was separated from him. That he gave his first and he gave his best to reconcile people to him. You've got to love people. You've got to love people that aren't like you. You've got to love people that are from a different race or maybe a different culture. You've got to love people that are different color. You've got to love people that, that maybe you don't like. Okay, I really don't like them, but I will love them. Because I'm going to reach people. I'm going to reach lost people for Christ. Travis, I, I'm not a people person. Well, you're not going to like heaven because there's going to be a lot of people in heaven. Well, Travis, I don't talk. It's not about, it's not about being an evangelist like, like what I'm talking about, where that you walk around with your Bible and you're able to quote. I'm going to talk more about that here in just a second. But it's more of a, of a mindset. Sometimes we have to understand that the message of the gospel is about love, and we reach people with love. I know that we don't compromise on the word. We don't compromise on the gospel. We don't compromise on sin. We don't compromise on righteousness and holiness, but it has to be delivered with a message of love or it will never get into the lives of people. We win the world through our love. You see, I I have found out that as Christians, as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ, sometimes we can come across as being condemning. And that in truth, we can forget love. You know, sometimes just because something is true does not mean that it is helpful. Like the world is dying and going to hell. And there is a a sea of people that are condemned. Hey, reminding people about that on a daily basis isn't very helpful. Is it true? Yeah. Is it helpful? Not so much. That might not be. There is a way 
There is a way to communicate the gospel to people that is a little bit more helpful. Let me give you an example. In Luke, the eighth chapter, in the fourth verse, there was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, the Bible says. She was condemned. But the way Jesus stepped in and worked this situation, his goal was to help the woman. Not just deliver the truth and, 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 and throw forth a sentence or just put, or condemn somebody. The Bible says that they drug her out from the place where she was. She, they drug her out and threw her on the ground. And there were several people standing around, religious leaders that said, This woman deserves to die according to the law of Moses. Was that true? Absolutely. Jesus did not argue that point. Was it helpful? Not really. The woman needed to be saved. So what did Jesus do? Out of love, he helped her. He, he looked, at the crowd, looked at the crowd of people that were standing around and said, Okay, everybody who hasn't sinned, cast the first stone. The Bible says one by one they walked off. And then he looked at the woman and he said, Where are your accusers? I don't have any. He says, I'm not condemning you. Go. And he says this also. Don't forget this. We forget this. He says, go and stop sinning. He saved her life, and he brought her hope, and he brought her forgiveness. We have to remember that the gospel must also be helpful. The gospel isn't meant to be condemning. It's there to give hope. People need hope. I don't care what people are doing. I don't care how successful they are. I don't care where they are in their lives, how much money they have. There is a vacuum on the inside of person, on, on the inside of every person that is searching for God. And it is up to us to provide that hope. You see, a person without God is hopeless. Whether they admit it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, that is supposed to lead them to God. The foundation of the gospel is love. Love for people who are lost and need to be saved. You believe that? Say amen. So first of all, you got to love people. Second of all, if you're going to be an evangelist, you got to be a witness. You got to be a witness. What is a witness? A witness is a personal account or somebody who gives a personal account specifically of the gospel of Christ. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, say it with me. And you will be my what? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The whole point of the New Testament church or before they were even a church, the whole point of that, the Holy Spirit coming down and, and filling the lives of people was to empower people with gifts and abilities to be a witness to tell people about Christ. It's in that verse right there. It's not so we can be more spiritual than the next Christian. Yes, we want to be righteous, we want to be holy, we want to be spiritual. But the point of the Holy Spirit right there says that we receive gifts so we will be empowered in order to share the gospel of Jesus. With hundreds of people standing around, Jesus said, that you are going to be my witnesses. In other words, you are going to give a personal account about what you have seen me do. If you go a step further and look at the translation, the Greek translation of the word witness, it translates as martyr. He says, you're going to give an account of me and be willing to stake your life on it. Now, that, not, that might not be significant here in Shawnee, Oklahoma, or it might not be relevant in Shawnee, Oklahoma. But in those days, when he said that, he was telling them, this is going to take you, and it took all the 12 apostles all the way to the end of their lives. 
Now, I want you to think about how significant that is. If this whole thing was a lie and if it weren't true at some moment in time, a lot of these New Testament Christians, including, uh, uh, including 11 of the 12 apostles, would have said, oh, what, 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 wait. Is, if Jesus is who he says he is, you have to deny him. If he's not, you have to deny him or we're going to take your life. At some point, one of those apostles would say, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for this. But since Jesus was who he said he was, they believed it so much that they staked their life upon it. That's what he was telling them. That is what it is to be, your, uh, be a witness. Like I said before, this is not something that might be as significant in our life and time because we live in a free country. But your life is supposed to give your personal account of your encounter with the Lord Jesus. Nobody, nobody can argue with your personal account. Amen? Here's what I've learned. You can't argue people into the kingdom of God. Even if you were to prove the validity of the Bible, all the exogenics, all the things that in the Bible that, that might be seem up in the air, maybe creation and all those things and dinosaurs, if you were able to go back and you were able to really use the right language and put all that out in front of people, that's still not going to change their lives, even if you were to do that. Well, let's, let's, just say that, let's just say you're not able to do that. You might, because some people feel a little bit insecure about being a witness of their account with God. They feel insecure about that. I don't know, man. I just kind of keep my mouth shut about that stuff because I don't know anything about that. Listen, that's, that's unexcusable. That's, that's inexcusable. That's not something that you can do. Let me, let me give you something to go on, okay? You don't need unlimited knowledge of the Scripture to give your personal account. In fact, what if I were to tell you your personal account is the most powerful thing that you can do. Here's something you can say. You can say, hey, look. When somebody says, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible because of creation. Or I don't know. I can't, I can't uh, serve a God that allows suffering in the world. Or some of the famous questions that people say. Or some of the things that people would debate about the Bible. Here's something that you can do. And don't forget this. You can say this. I don't know about all that. I, I, I might be able to, to point you in a direction. Or we can study that out together. I don't know about all that. But I can tell you this. Since I gave my life to Christ, my life is completely turned around. My family's back together. God put my finances in a direction. Or, or God, since I have been a part of, of the church that, and I've been serving, God, I've seen God do some incredible things in the lives of people. My friend gave his life to Christ, or my friend gave her life to Christ, and I've seen God work miracles in their lives. I've seen God put families back together. I've seen God put purpose in people's lives. I've seen so many wonderful things. I've seen hungry people fed. I've seen a church do some incredible things as God began to use them. That's the most significant witness that you can give any unbeliever. I'm telling you right now because I've learned you can't debate people into the kingdom. But a personal relationship with you, you as a, a close friend of someone, you are the most viable, validated person of a non-believer and the most significant witness if you give your personal account. So be a witness. Amen? Look, Say that to your neighbor. Be a witness. So you got to love people. You got to be a witness. And lastly, if you're going to be an evangelist, you got to be an ambassador. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 and 20, it says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us 
this wonderful message of reconciliation. I want you to think about that for a second. That God, in all of his infinite wisdom, decided to bring the world to him. And to do that, he would use us to be the messengers. Whoa. That's, that's huge. That means that, that he gave his son as the answer to the world for salvation. But that message would have to be delivered into an entire world. So what he did is he said, I'm going to give that message to you. You are God's best plan for delivering the message to the world. I am God's best plan. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, the world's in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. That was his plan. Just because, it, just because it you may not recognize it or you might not acknowledge it or maybe it's undeveloped, you are God's best plan for delivering the gospel and for being a witness in the world. And he says this in, in the 20th verse. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God is reaching the entire world through us. And maybe he's not reaching people across borders. Maybe he's not reaching people across state. But he, you reach people in your, when we say world, we say people in your world. God is going to use you as an ambassador for Christ. A lot of times when people go through a crisis in their life, this happens many times, that when people that, don't, that aren't involved in church or don't live for God, a lot of times what they will do is when they're faced with a crisis, it brings into question a whole lot of things. And many times it will lead them to wonder about whether or not God can do something in their lives. It will lead them to church. And the thing is, is 2,000 years ago when people were looking for Jesus, he was in bodily form. They could see him. But today, they're not going to see Jesus in bodily form. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. We represent Christ to the world. It's kind of like going, I mean, showing up at the White House and walking in there and saying, hey, I'd like to see President Trump. They're like, who are you? You're not going to see President Trump. Who are you going to see? You're going to see a representative. And then somebody's going to come out from some office. Somebody's going to come out and then, and I'm telling you, that person that's representing the White House, that person that's, that's representing the president, he's going to come out there. He's not going to be in, you know, he's not going to be in flip-flops and a, and a way down, deep down V-neck with a lot of chains on his neck and, you know what I'm saying, lots of bling. He's going to look like he belongs at the White House, right? Because he represents the White House, he represents the president. I want to ask you something. The Bible says that we represent Christ. I'm not talking about what you wear. I'm talking about the message that you say, or the, I'm talking about your lifestyle and your message. What kind of representation do we give this world? People are looking to Christ. Colossians 3 and 16 says this. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. You know, I think that we don't completely understand this message that we've been given. Sometimes I think that, I think that we actually take this message for granted. That we have been given the truth. Do, do you really understand the significance that in all of the world, with, with two-thirds of the world that aren't believers, that you have been given the message of truth. That, that God has seen it in your life to even grow up in a place like this. And also God has seen that, that you would somehow make your way to this ministry or to some other church where you gave your life to Christ. That you would have this message and be given the gift of the truth. 
That's what the, the, the Apostle Paul's saying. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Get so engulfed. Get, go, get so consumed with the message of Christ. He goes, says this in the 17th verse. And whatever you do or say, do it as a what? As a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him. He said, I want you to get so consumed with the message. And I want you to understand the message of Christ. I want it to, to overtake your life in such a way that you represent Christ. And he said, I want you to understand the significance of this message. And I want you to understand what it is to be a, a representative of Christ. That this message is going to change the lives of people. Listen, we're not some just ragtag team of fly by the seat of your pants team. We have been given the best message of hope in, in all of the world. We have been given an assignment to be representatives. And you are chosen by God to be ambassadors for Christ. Amen? We must be representatives of Christ. And what that means is that you understand this message. You don't take it for granted. And you share the message of the gospel. I want to challenge you today. Whatever you do or say, wherever you are, do it as a representative of Christ. Amen? On your job, at the Little League ball games, when you're, at, when you're working out, wherever you are, do it as a representative of Christ. And see just how God will work in your life. Listen, if we're going to save lives, we've got to be evangelists. We do that through loving people, by being a witness and being an ambassador. I've got about three more that I'm going to share with you next week, but I want to stop right here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for confronting us in areas of our lives that need to be changed. And as we step into this part of the service where we evaluate our lives, maybe do inventory, I pray, God, that you will speak to us. And you'll change us, and we'll be receptive. We will be receptive to what you want to do. In the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, Travis, I, I live for God and he's Lord and Savior of my life. But when you're talking about evangelism, my life is really not affecting anybody. You're talking about some things that we need to do to win souls and to save lives. Those things I have not been doing. And God is dealing with me today that I, I need to change. And if that's you, say, this is, not about, this is not about giving your life to Christ. This is about your assignment. Maybe that, you, that it's undeveloped or maybe that you have been ignoring. If that be the case, I want to pray with you. You don't have to raise your hands. I'm just going to pray right now. If you're seated next to somebody that you love or you're close to, you can take them by the hand. It's important. The Bible talks about the importance of two or three in agreement. Let me just pray with you right now. We'll all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to every person today. And I thank you, Lord, for confronting us. But I pray that we answer this call. Whatever that, that you're wanting to say and whatever you're speaking into individual lives today, Lord, that we answer that call. And Father, whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be let go of, whatever needs to be grabbed a hold of, 
we become the evangelists that you have called us to be, Lord, and that Faith Co. Church is a church that understands the significance of the message that we've been given, and we reach out to people in love and bring people home and reconcile people to Christ. I pray that we do that. Speak to every heart and every life in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads and nobody looking around for this, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life. This could be a matter of you've never given your life to Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life. It could be that or it could be I walked away from God at a point in my life and I don't live for him and serve him. Or maybe you've been going to church for years and you've never crossed that line. You've been thinking about it and you feel like God is speaking to you right now. If that's you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I'm just going to pray the same kind of prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk any aisles. This is just between you and God. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people today. So if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer of salvation, I'm going to pray it with you right now. And I'm going to give my life to Christ. I just want to see that I'm praying for people. Just slip your hand up and slip it down quickly. Can anybody say that? See your hand over here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Travis, I want you to pray because I'm going to pray that prayer and I'm serious about it today. I'm going to make things right with God. Is, are there any more that can say that before I pray? I just want to know. See your hand in the back. You can put it down. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray. I'm not sure if I saw everybody. I know we had at least a couple. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this with us and mean it with all your heart. Second thing is, if, if, if I didn't see your hand or you didn't raise your hand, say this prayer. God sees your hand and more importantly, God sees your heart. Make things right with God today. Come home today. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. I invite you to do that today. I confess that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me whole. And I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.